1: to Weekend Warriors, the foreign affairs weekly podcast that brings you the rest of the news. I'm Essie Cup. To Britain, where the embattled prime minister, Theresa May, just survived a no-confidence vote by her own conservative party this very week. May has been under fire over her handling of Britain's plan to withdraw from the European Union. You know that as Brexit. Now, Theresa May needed a majority vote amongst her own party to retain the Conservative Party leadership and, in turn, continue on as prime minister to lead the charge and continued negotiations around Brexit. And according to a Downing Street spokesperson, the next big vote on Brexit will come in January 2019, when Parliament will decide on a withdrawal agreement between the UK and the EU. Uh, It's been a long time in coming. Joining me now is Republican strategist, former RNC communications director... CNN political commentator Doug you Doug, you're, you're over in Britain a lot. You know the contours of this on the ground. Let's start with your reaction to the results of this vote, the fact that Theresa May just barely survived. What does that tell you?
2: Sure. I mean, in politics, a win is a win. And, you know, in, in the UK, they have obviously have a very different system from ours um, where they have to uh, where, where it's a parliamentary system. And uh, the vote of no confidence that, that we just saw, She she won. It wasn't a Massive victory. It was about a two to one, which when you're dealing with your own caucus um, with over 100 votes, 117 or 19, I believe, is the number. Uh, that's a lot of no votes, but she won. And in politics, you have to live to fight for another day, which she's doing. And in this case, uh, the, the next deadline would, would be January. Well, uh, explain
1: what, to people who, who maybe haven't been following this. Why was it? Why was it close at all? Why is there consternation within her own party? Well,
2: I'd I'd go back to the initial Brexit vote. Um, In fact, I landed in London the day after the vote. And much like uh, uh, in Washington, D.C., so many people were shell-shocked after Donald Trump's victory, people in London were shell-shocked. They couldn't believe uh, that the Leave vote uh, passed. All the polls had predicted that it wouldn't. Very similar to the United States, you had a very very big divide between urban voters who were more pro-Europe in their orientation uh, than rural voters who were anti but it also, again, very similar to our politics here, wasn't necessarily just about Brussels. This was an anti-London vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm reminded of, of the line from The Candidate, that movie with Robert Redford, where um, at the end he wins and says, well, now what do we do? <laughs> and it, it's very clear that given that most people, even, in, even a lot of elements within the Leave campaign, weren't really confident that they were going to win. This is another similarity to the Trump campaign. Uh, they won and now said, well, now what do we do?
0: And, and that caused David it, Cameron... Right
2: to end up having to step down, where then there was a huge brawl to see who would be um, the next uh, prime minister for, for the UK, which was about a, a week-long fight. Uh, since then, Theresa May has been thrust in this position of trying to cobble something together uh, that uh, resembles Brexit, but is something that she didn't support. Um, yeah. And so she's administering um, and administrating something that wasn't necessarily her um, first priority, um, so to speak. And so she's had a hard time doing it. Yeah. And uh, the the Tory Party is very divided on this. You have people who are pro Leave and pro Remain, and they are still pro Leave and pro Remain. Mm. Um, so you're seeing talk about having a second referendum on whether or not they really meant the vote in the first place. Yeah. And then, like anything else, you get into the details. And if you're pro Leave, well, maybe this package isn't pro Leave enough for you. And mm. uh, you're dealing not just with Europe, but then ultimately the ramifications of Uh, Each individual country in Europe, or or and I should say, negotiating a trade agreement with the United States, which will be uh, no easy task either.
1: Well, let's talk about we'll talk about the uh, the details of Brexit and these negotiations in a second. But how does, in your view, how does Theresa May go into those negotiations now? Is she is she embattled? Is she is she strengthened uh, by this vote, or is she a bit weaker?
2: Well, she's alive, and that's (laughs) that's the first and foremost. um, Is she's going to go into January? Um, still able to try and present some kind of package um, to the European Union. Uh, but again, we'll have a very difficult time of then um, pa- passing that within within our own party. Look at uh, the talk right now in the United States, and I'll try and stop doing the comparisons to the U.S., because I think they can be overblown, um, in what we're looking at with, with the possible shutdown, where Republicans may not back Trump on this. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar situation. Right. Um, and then you have, obviously, political motivations Um, As well, if you're a very pro-Leave Tory member and and this may not be something, whatever this may turn out to be, um, something that you support. So May is in a precarious situation. And then in the meantime, she has said that once a deal has been signed, um, that she will step aside. And it's an open question now as to whether or not putting herself essentially in a lame duck status uh, and essentially announcing in advance, I will be a lame duck if I get re-upped. Um, whether that weakens her or not.
1: So uh, let's talk about let's talk about Brexit. It's the law, right? Leaving leaving the EU is the law, but this has to be negotiated and has to be pieced together, as you mentioned. What role does the EU play? Do they have to sort of agree to all of these details, or can the UK what what sort of auto- uh, 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 um, autonomy does the UK I- have? In putting together these details,
2: well, not not a whole lot. In that both parties will have to agree, and uh, you know, if you're if you're England, if you're if you're the United Kingdom, I should say, well, you want to have some kind of an agreement in place with the EU as far as trade may go and so forth, yeah. because it, this is it, it is a massive, you know, this is a massive deal. Uh, but at the same time, the European Union um, faces pressures as well, and um, they're looking at this as not what's the best deal that the UK can get. They're looking at it in part to punish uh, the United Kingdom for leaving. Because if they allow the UK to leave without the UK paying a significant penalty, well, that signals to the Italy's or the Greece's or the Portugal's, um, not of the world, but of the EU, that they can leave without penalty too. So the EU is in a precarious situation here as well. If England is able to leave without significant penalty, and then there's obviously a broader conversation of the job markets, especially in the financial industry for London, and how all that would be affected, if they're able to leave without penalty, it sends a very real signal to other countries that they can do it as well. And that could signal the end of the Euro and the Mm. European Union. Mm. So there are very high stakes here for all the players.
1: Well, so have there been any signs since uh, that vote in 2016, have there been any signs that the EU has been weakened by Brexit, even though the negotiations are still being worked out?
2: Well, the the biggest sign I, I would point to is uh, the currency, uh, vis yeah. a vis vis a vis the dollar. Uh, the dollar's um, over the past couple of years has done pretty well against both the British pound and and the and the euro. And and that's in large part because um, of the uncertainty of what the euro is going to be, what that means for for the pound. Um, and you know, England, the UK, I should say. Um, the UK has has had a bit of a different policy when it's come to Europe as well. They have their own currency, where France, Germany, Italy, and so forth do not. Mm-hmm. Um, but even so, both currencies um, have been weakened vis-à-vis the dollar. With that, uh, and that's that's going to have very real um, implications. And then again, there's the question of where do some of these financial sector jobs go? And so if you're um, if you're a bank that is headquartered either in what's called the City, which is the traditional Um, economic financial center of London or Canary Wharf, which is where all the big high-rises are, skyscrapers Mm -hmm. are now um, in the eastern part of of London, uh, you're going to lose jobs there. And so this may benefit, just in a a zero-sum jobs um, um, sense, this may benefit a Paris or a Frankfurt, Mm -hmm. um, but again, begets that larger question of, is Europe as a whole um, weakened because of this, or the UK?
1: So... You mentioned um, the U.S. What what is its impact? Brexit's impact on the U.S. From where you stand, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for Trump? What does it mean for the U.S. dollar, et cetera?
2: Well, for the dollar, it's by, it by and large is, has has been positive, but but it's a positive you know that again is based on uncertainty. And if there's one thing financial markets do not like, it is uncertainty. Um, and with Donald Trump, we get a lot of that. There's, there's a reason why the three biggest market losses that we've seen have been. Uh, in, in our history have been under um, um, Trump's tenure so far. Um, mm-hmm. So that instability plays a very real role. Then there's the question of what will trade with Europe be, what will trade with the United Kingdom be in a post-Brexit um, uh, world? And that still will depend in some part on what gets negotiated between the EU um, and the UK. Uh, but but for, the, for the United States, we're going to have to negotiate with England separately, with the UK separately, right. just as the UK is then going to have to negotiate with potentially with European countries separately. But then also the rest of the world where there will need separate agreements that fall um, outside of the purview of Europe.
1: So final question. Um, what do you think happens? Do they get a deal done by the March deadline?
2: I don't think anybody knows at this point, to be honest, mm. Um This is this has been a situation that has been Fraught with difficulty again. Theresa May has been sort of thrust in this position that she didn't necessarily want to be in to yeah. begin with. Uh, the no confidence vote didn't necessarily help things, but is but is also more a codification of what an uncertain process this is for the Tories moving forward. I should add that uh, the vote yesterday failing means that Theresa May can't be challenged um, for another year. Now she may end up leaving before that of her own accord. Uh, But we know that there won't be another challenge for at least one year, just based on how the laws on this work in in the U.K. But anyone who tells you that they know with certainty what the next steps are going to be, uh, I think even if they end up being right at this point are wrong.
1: Well, I appreciate your honesty and I appreciate your candor here uh, and your expertise. It's easy to say I don't know. (laughs) Uh, No, I I appreciate that. You don't hear that enough in this business. Uh, But thanks for laying it all out there for us. I really appreciate it, Doug Hyde.
2: Anytime. Thank you.
1: And that's it for this edition of Weekend Warriors. Join me next time. I'm Essie
0: Cup. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together.